Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. So 40 Backyard Banter with Matt Harmon, and I'm joined by a really good guest today, uh, somebody that I work with uh, at NFL Meet, Rosenthal. Uh, the, well, you were the boss of uh, or the Around the NFL crew of not, which really should explain to uh, a lot of people that are listening just what, what the structure of, <laughs> of, our, of our job sometimes. So, Greg, anyways, welcome to the podcast. What is up, Harmon? I'm excited. This is big. This is big. The show uh, right before your birthday, right before the big season finale. This is the spot you want to be. Yeah, for sure. I know that. Yeah, that's right. By the time this episode comes out, I will have turned 25. Um, basically, like my life is more than a quarter of a way over uh, because there's no way I'm living to 100. There's literally zero percent chance, so that's kind of a weird thing to realize. But you got to be um, happy during these shows that everyone you listen to, like they haven't even started in fantasy industry by the time they're 25, or they're doing they're doing something completely different. So if if nothing else, that should just make you feel better every every show that you're way ahead of everyone. I don't know. I guess maybe that that makes me feel it makes me feel something. Uh, like I guess I got a lot of time left i would hope Jeez, this is a starting off on a weird note uh me reflecting on my age um <laughs> but anyways no yeah it's it's really cool yeah and this will be the for those listening this will be the second to last episode of season one um and, but greg is going to give us some good stuff here tonight i am sure uh greg always start the podcast um asking the guest how did you kind of come to fall in love with the game of football or or get the bug for it well, it's funny. I listen, I've listened to this show quite a bit. It, it's a great public service for kids that are thinking about fantasy or people just in the industry, but selfishly for me, for just like keeping in touch with people I know without actually having to talk to them, which is, you know, sometimes difficult. So, uh, so I've kept in touch. And, and that one of the things it's funny that you hear every time is, or a lot of the times is like, keeping bizarre notebooks when they were young of completely made up sports in their own house. And and that was definitely me as a kid. And I was just addicted to sports. Like, like a lot of people are, I feel like where I grew up and then fantasy, I really got into Fort, like my freshman year of high school, I had an older friend in high school and he had, a, he had cousins that were way older and they did this thing like called a fantasy auction. And I really had no idea what it was, but I got that, old green rotisserie league baseball book and we showed up at at this guy's house on like a random saturday before the baseball season started and did it for 12 14 hours 
and I was hooked, just like cracking jokes the whole time, you know, and basically was doing fantasy, pretty addicted to that ever since that. The thing I realized in that league was like, every, everyone was that into it. Everyone was, it was so fun. It was a good thing to remember later that I had a really, really hard time winning that league among all these people I knew, but that I, I eventually did this league called Tout Wars, which still goes now in an NL only league. And I won that the first time I, I tried and I never could win my local league. And these were going against all the best people possible like Nate Silver was in the in the league back then and I didn't really know but it was a good reminder like how much a all the local leagues are incredibly hard and everyone playing is incredibly good but just how much luck goes into it which I never ever forget um but to to answer your question I guess on career wise I I really thought uh once I I was working out in LA in television production and I got a job at Fox sports on the weekend and I was about 24 years old then. And the light bulb went off at that point. Why, why am I not just trying to get a career in sports but until then I, it, for whatever reason, it just didn't occur to me that you could do that for a living. So what were you doing before you, you got into sports? Uh, well, I, I went to Tulane and then I went out to LA actually here where, where we both live now for a couple years, really with no better idea other than I had an internship at this production company that made, um, movies that had a deal on the Warner brothers lot. And I got a job as an assistant there after being an intern there. And I was basically a producer's assistant and, then that company kind of went belly up, which tends to happen. And I became a page like Kenneth on 30 Rock. Do you know what I'm talking nice. about? Yep, yep. I just watched I just watched all 40 Rock, like no blue threat during the, the offseason. The pages are legit in New York, but it's different in Burbank. I got it in Burbank and you're given, you know, you're given tours. That's that's similar. I was the worst guy giving tours by far in the in the place it was so mailed in and I just tried to get out of there into a real job as soon as I could and and ended up taking a bunch of different production jobs like production assistant production helping production coordinators I ended up working on highlights on the weekends at Fox Sports and and that's like I said what kind of put the light bulb off but I also realized I hated the entertainment industry and I hated being out here Uh, and that's those are the only people I knew we're entertainment people, and I just kind of freaked out and left suddenly. I, I made the decision. I got a pretty good job, and I quit it on my first day and then left a week later because I just – I had this gut feeling it was not for me. That That's really fascinating. Um, so you kind of came from a little bit of the same path as, like, Alex, like uh, Alex Gallagher, yeah. my, my, yeah, my colleague. Like, we were in – you were in – um in the entertainment industry. But he, like, he really loves it. I think there's, like, a part of him, uh, whether he would – you know say it or not that like kind of misses it or at least different parts of it and he said that i don't think i'm revealing anything that he hasn't said to me but so like what was it about the entertainment industry that you just didn't like well i was just a i was like i was disgusted by everyone i knew was having the same conversations and everyone yeah i was living in west hollywood and everyone was doing the same thing and and Tangibly, I was doing pretty well at it for a 24-year-old or whatever. I was going along the path. It was going fine. There was plenty of people doing better and plenty doing worse. But I don't know. Something just seemed wrong to me that just the 
you never met anyone doing anyone else, anything else. And, and I realized like, I want to do something that I, that you love doing. And I felt like I had something like, I really wanted to try like my hardest at something. And I just got the feeling this is not what I want to be trying my hardest at. And I just figured I will work in sports. I'm going to move back to the East coast and I will figure it out uh, when I get there. Yeah. Nice. I mean, I, I, th- I imagine um, myself uh, being in the entertainment industry. There is got our industry sometimes, right? <laughs> and like question, question, like the the I all the time, like ask myself, "What the hell am I doing? Like, am I doing anything meaningful uh, with with this career?" Uh, you know, yeah. like, I watched I watched Spotlight last night, um, right? And after that, I'm like, "Holy shit!" Could you imagine writing something like that? But tomorrow, I'm gonna write about like why we should believe in Sammy Coates this year or something. Um, See, I I just wanted something. I didn't even have any high minded aspirations. It was it was selfish. I just felt like I I wanted to do something that got me going. And I realized I realized it just it just was not that. And and seeing the types of things you had to do to move move up, I was basically trying to do the producer track of life and and I just you just realize quickly that it that is a hard one to navigate um doesn't mean it's impossible but it it just was hard to kind of maintain I don't know maintain your sense of self and you're also young and you're out here in 25 and you go like a little crazy at least I did so I got out of there yeah that makes sense. So what was your next step like in, in, in terms of getting your first foot in the, in the world of sports writing? I, I really lucked into a full-time job at Roto World not that long after that, uh, about eight or nine months later. I bummed around teaching tennis and writing online for Rivals.com, writing about UConn basketball. And, and I had started a baseball blog a year, you know, a few years before that to just get reps. And I was just trying to get a, a job in sports. And a friend of mine, I had, I had read Roto World, but I wouldn't say I was a daily user at the time. It was much different back then. But a friend of mine who was diehard Roto World saw a job listing at Roto World. And I applied for that. And I think they saw the Fox Sports thing on top of the resume. And uh, they gave me an interview. And, and I got the job. And it was really their only their second real full-time full-time writing job there was they hadn't had a full-time football guy before that and so i i just sort of started doing all their football coverage and it was basically just me yeah so for listeners of of your podcast uh the around the nfl podcast obviously if you um if you don't listen to that, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. You definitely should check it out, subscribe and, and everything of that nature. Like I've listened to that podcast for years. Um, but so this is where your, your co-host Dan or your host Dan Hansis would interject that this is where you helped build Roto world brick by brick by brick. True or false, Greg? No, that is nonsense. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Poliat, who I'm glad I got a lot of love on Matthew Berry's podcast and on, on Silva and Silva and Pat Darty. He really did build it uh, brick by brick on the writing side of things. I mean, he was doing every sport. He sort of established the template. Um, but I was the first one to do, you know, full-time football. I kind of realized oh, no one's going to tell me exactly uh, what to do. You just, I just needed to do it. And uh, there were a lot of people, obviously, behind the scenes, the owners of the company, 
and a, a million other things. Roto World was only a part of the the fantasy company that was called All Star Stats, which was a stat service. Um, but I, one thing I, I thought of, like with with this show, was I remember my inter- my interview there was not a great interview. I didn't feel like it was a great interview. And I was told afterwards that they didn't really love me from the interview. And I drove home from New York to Massachusetts that night. And I, and I had that feeling and I freaked it out because I knew it was an unbelievable opportunity. And I, I stayed up that night and I like basically wrote down all the things that I had wished I had said and came up with my plan for the year, like a content plan of everything we were going to do. Here's what we're going to do the second week of August. Here, you know, here's what we're going to do in December, X, Y, and Z with the magazine. And I sent that to them, you know, overnight that night. And they, and, and a boss of mine, Rick Wolf said, once, once they saw that, they, they said, well, we got to hire this kid now. We weren't going to before the interview was bad, which, which was a good lesson for me. Yeah, that is pretty key. Like having a plan, to what like what were you, what are you going to do with this job before you even get it is is super important you know i've i've definitely been asked that whether it was the nfl.com job or or other positions not related to sports writing they've said like well when you get the job what are you going to do and if you don't have a good answer for that or even you know you weren't even asked and you still do it you still did it that's that's a pretty important thing for right and i'm sure they did ask me in some way but i didn't i didn't say it or i, I hadn't thought about it on a on the right level. And it wasn't even so much my plan. I'm sure that was any good. It's more, you know, you've been on both sides of it now. It's more just showing the people, the enthusiasm and that you have and the love that you have for, for the job that you're about to get or the sport. And I think, you know, that comes across when you do that sort of effort. I, I think people sometimes are just, they're almost afraid a little bit to try to show too much effort or try too hard. But like being on the other side of it, believe me, that's what that's what gets noticed, and that's what people want to see. Yeah, I think I think we've tried throughout the series of this podcast to impress upon people that it's hard to be too annoying. I mean, it's certainly possible, uh, but it's hard to like for to for your eagerness, especially in in chasing a job, and you know, a, a job for many people that it is like a dream. It's hard for that to come off as a bad thing, you know. Like I being, doubt it. I doubt it's possible to be too annoying. Like I think back, and and this makes sense. I think back to when I wrote at Pro Football Talk, and different writers essentially send them links, almost pitching them, pitching their links for. PFT to link to and the people that sent the most links and were the most annoying. And this is when they were starting out in the business are all the people that you see on national television now as the main insiders and, and things like that. It's like, there's, there's a reason they got there. It was just because they bugged the crap out of everyone basically until everyone knew them. Yeah. We're, well, we're, we'll definitely touch on another story that recites, uh, you know, bugging the crap out of somebody, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that one in a, in a minute. But so starting out at Roto World, Greg, like, I guess you started out just like everybody else seems to when they come on this podcast or, um, or in any other, they say like, it starts with the blurbing, right? Or is that, was that different for you? Oh, no, that was, I mean, there really wasn't a job template in any way. I kind of realized after a week or two, oh, no one's going to tell me what to do. My job is just to to figure this out and decide what our coverage is going to be. So yeah, I did, I did the blurbs. I basically, we basically did all the blurbs. That was, that was my job. 
Uh, I also helped with the magazines. You know, we did a football magazine and baseball magazine. I got out of the baseball business pretty quickly because I just realized you're so much better. Well, that too. See, now I think (laughs) it's sad. Like baseball used to be, I used to love baseball, basketball, and football pretty closely, but baseball for a while was, was my favorite college basketball was in there. And now like I, I barely pay attention to it. I'm kind of back in on the Red Sox this year, but that's been the first time in three years. It's sad. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've never, I always explain it. Like I just can't possibly give any attention to any other sport, like in a meaningful way or else I'll like disintegrate as a balanced person. And it may have it. That's where I'm at now. I have two kids and I'm married and just, those other sports had to fall away. And plus my love and my time for football takes up all my time. It just feels like any time I'm spending on another sport, why don't I just spend that on football? Anyways, I, I like football more. It's my favorite sport by far now that it's, it's my job and it's going to be more useful. Um, but, but to, to circle back, answer your thing on rotor world, you know, it was, it was just a situation you had to, it evolved, you know, there wasn't a lot of, team sites. There wasn't a lot of blogs. You know, the main thing was setting up a system of reading every newspaper when I woke up every day. That was, I spent the first three, four hours of the day reading every newspaper link in the country and then just putting up blurbs. And then the day would be looking for anything else that happened. And when I first started, which was 2003, not a lot happened the rest of the day. Like big stories would happen, but there wasn't as much of the RSS feeds. And then of course, Twitter came later. Team sites we're starting to give good information, but not a ton. Uh, Adam Schefter on Total Access was something I would just, you know, have to watch every uh, watched every night, and he would usually have three things that would immediately be a blurb. Like it, that doesn't really happen as much now because the world moves too fast. But he would come on the air, and I knew he would have a handful of things for me to write. So I would have to time. I was living in New York City. I would have to time my train trips. From work, if I went up to work, I usually went once or twice a week. You know, I'd have to time them so I wasn't on the train during total access. And if if some crazy big story happened while I was on the train, like it just didn't get put on Roto World until I got back home. Usually, yeah, that's I love like thinking back to the the <laughs> the beginnings of stuff like that and like how some of it must be like a good. There might be. I mean, I guess like all progress is in inherently pretty good in our industry but the uh the differences between like scouring the newspapers earlier and uh now like what people just have to pop on twitter and there's probably like five things you can blurb about um whether they mean shit or not is a whole nother discussion but it's definitely a huge change yeah i still try to read the paper i'm trying to do more now especially now I'm, I'm out of this boss role a little bit and i'm and i have hopefully a little more time like i'm i still try to read the papers because you do get a different sense of the league that way but you're not there's not going to be the breaking news and stuff as much i remember when when twitter started taking off i you know i made it a rule quickly for but you know by then that's 2009 we had a, a bunch of writers i made it a rule everyone had to sign up for twitter and i remember you know a few of the guys were like no nah, i don't want to do this we don't want to do this i'm like just trust me this is like it, it it became so much a part of our job so quickly. It's incredible. Yeah, seriously. Well, I mean, for me, I always say like, I wouldn't even have a career if it wasn't for Twitter. I definitely would not be doing this. Um, that's a whole, yeah, it's, that's a, that's a, that's a weird thing to think about. Um, but so Greg, obviously eventually like you, 
kind of grew into like a leadership role there at Roto World. Um, what transition? What like as you're building it brick by brick? Um, I can't I can't pull that joke off nearly as well as Hansis can, but I I'm not like a humor I'm not as funny of a person. Yeah, as you him, gotta but. play it straight. You can't can't laugh right afterwards. Yeah, I can't do that. I have to I laugh at my own jokes so bad it's not a redeeming quality, but uh that's a whole nother discussion. Um so as you're as you're kind of growing into this like leadership role, what what is what transit what was that transition like? Well, NBC came, you know, there were there were some dicey moments uh where Roto World you know, I found out later and the company were, you know, not necessarily going to make it long term. I mean, I didn't know that I had I wasn't getting paid much, but I had a full time job with benefits, which at that time there probably were. I, I always kept it in mind. There was only a handful of people, I, I think, in the country at the time getting paid full time to write about fantasy. I was just trying to make it the best news site there was. I sort of. I realized what a great resource it was and that there was no one else in the space quite like it. And I saw the traffic we were getting and it was growing. And I mean, Roto World's, a, it, you know, it started growing into a juggernaut. And I, and I just realized how, by how many beat writers and national writers and stuff were reaching out to me um, because they read Roto World. And it, that, that helped me realize we, we had something and I, I was always in the day-to-day just grinding it out, trying to make it uh, the best news possible to beat everyone at everything, you know, to, to be the fastest and the most complete at, at everything and have a news sense and just figure it out as, as we went and, and grow our magazine and let the people that are smarter than me kind of do the business side of things. And eventually, uh, you know, they sold it. They sold the company to NBC that wrote a world that, that people started realizing content is valuable and, and wrote a world, which at one point was kind of a small part of this fantasy company ended up being the company and NBC paid those guys uh, a good bit of money. And we all went over to Stanford, Connecticut, except for the owners who uh, went off um, into the sunset. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a hell of a get right there to get get picked up by NBC. So, I think one of the one of the stories that's obviously come out from Evan Silva's episode was like his his pestering you essentially into into a job. Yeah. Um, what kind of give the other side of that story now that Evan's already you know told it from his perspective? Like what? And I know you and I have talked about this about previously off the air as well. So, what was like? What was that like from your end? Yeah, if anything, he underplayed it. I mean, he just would send me stuff nonstop. Um, there were some people like him, but not not as persistent. Uh, he would just send me stuff all the time. He would send me sample blurbs, and I guess they didn't really get me that excited. I, I don't really remember, but, I, you know, I just gave him a while, and it, it was a brutal business. I kind of think back to how I did things, and some of it was necessary, but it was brutal. I, you know, we would just try, it was not easy to find people that were good at blurbing and you could never predict who was going to be good or not, whether it didn't, it wasn't about their resume or, or necessarily their writing skill right off the bat, like in terms of flowery prose, it was very hard to predict. So we would just try a lot of people. We would just give people a ton of practice shifts or, and if they stuck great. And if not, just, we wouldn't let them work anymore. And then 
some people would, would build up, okay, you're getting more and more shifts, and then the more and more shifts you do well at, the, the better you're going to do. And Silva was just tireless, bugging me. And eventually he got, he got an opportunity, and even then, I, I don't know. I remember at one point my wife even was – I was frustrated with Evan for some reason. She was like, this – all you ever say is this guy is the hardest worker that you've ever had. Like, don't you dare think of ever, uh, you know, letting this guy get away. And I'm like, you're right, you're right, you're right. So, you know, I was figuring those things out as a manager too. And you just realize that the people that, that work the hardest and kind of have this, um, no ego common goal are the people that you want around, around you. And Evan, there's been a lot of great people that have gone through Roto world, but of all the people, um, that worked for me. I mean, he he stands apart as just like a, a tireless, insane individual that makes that site so much better. So, so I knew that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I like I respect the hell out of Evan just because he knows so much freaking information, uh-huh. um, and just cons- like I was listening to a podcast this weekend with him and Warren Sharp, who's also just like a again another person that just knows so much, like. And I literally, I mean, I tweeted out when I, when I blasted out the podcast, I was like, I literally feel like I'm in knowledge right now. Like you guys just know so much. Like I know a lot about wide receivers, but that's it. Like, I don't know <laughs> the other stuff I'm, I'm kind of, I'm playing catch up on, uh, but it's insane. Well, you, that- you hit upon something. I, I think that is, I have such a bad memory. People who know me know this, that I have a memory like a goldfish. So I have like a hard time putting myself in the shoes of where I was, you know, 10 years ago. But what you said struck a chord of something I used to always think and, and talk about, which was information on Roto World was king. Just knowing, and that was one of the things we always preached, just know more than everyone. And we're going to have more to know than any other site. And I think that's what you asked, like when I realized we might have something, I think it's when I realized, oh, all these all these beat writers out here there like they know their team really well but there's not a lot of people out there that have the luxury to just be following football news all day every day and know every team inside and out and you know we're not ex players i don't even have a journalism uh background uh which is not too uncommon uh and so you're going to need an advantage in some way and that that is your advantage if you just know everything inside and out uh you're going to stand, you're going to stand out. Cause as you see in most of the people on TV in terms of the ex players and stuff, they don't, they don't necessarily know uh, the slot cornerback on the Panthers or not. So that, that's, that can give you an edge and that can give you an edge in fantasy too. If people realize, okay, these guys know what they're talking about. They'll, they'll trust you and they keep coming back. Cause the, the, the other thing we found was just that it was insatiable what people wanted. You could never go too deep. Like it took us a while to realize people were coming to us for news, not really fantasy news um, for both, but it really was more news than fantasy news because all the defensive players and all the lockout, all the stories that had nothing to do with fantasy would be the biggest stories. If those were the biggest stories of the day, like the most clicked players and everything. Right. And so that kind of hits into my next point that I want to lead us down here. The, 
the idea of like going from fantasy to to not fantasy and i'll i'll say i mentioned this on the last podcast with john moore that that like i kind of feel like i do fantasy as a means to an end to talk about football but i don't i don't i definitely do not love fantasy football as much as a lot of people that i work with do uh that's that's for sure i like it and i enjoy it but it's not like my thing i my thing is elsewhere and we'll talk about that on the next episode but uh, yeah right that's a professional tease i'm trying to get good at this podcasting thing but uh 42 episodes in i might as well have something under my belt that's a risk that's a risk well i'll let the listeners decide the season finale i'm very excited it really bends the mind what's going on with the season finale Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot going on, but we'll have to we'll have to save that for for uh, next whenever the hell that episode comes out. Um, and so, but Greg, like like that that transition from because obviously you did not stay in fantasy forever. Um, was yeah. that like was that kind of a conscious decision? Like, where was fantasy for you kind of a means to an end to talk about football? And what was the eventual transition like? Yeah, I I love fantasy. Um, like I got into it. I love fantasy sports. Like I said, I'd been doing baseball and, and, and football for a while by that point. And I love talking about fantasy and I never got sick of the game, but yeah, like you, I think the, the main thing was I got a chance to talk about and write about football all day. You know, it took, it was one day at work. I realized I never want to go back to a real job. I better hold on to this as hard as I can work as hard as I can and not give it up. And so whether that was fantasy or reality, I was down with either of it. Um, you know, there were aspects of part of the job with fit. Like I liked doing like the high stakes leagues back then. Uh, the NFFC is one I like doing. It helped pay for a trip, uh, you know, to see a friend where I eventually met my wife. So that, you know, that was great, but, there you go. <laughs> but I got a little burnt out from the, like I had to be in 11 different, you know, industry leagues or in, in all that sort of thing. But I never, I, it never consciously was a decision to get out of fantasy. It basically just came up um, when NBC came along. Uh, they would let me or have me do some straight football stuff in the playoffs. Like I covered uh, the soup, like the first game I ever covered in person. This, you know, I should be embarrassed about this, but it was, you know, it was Super Bowl. Uh, it was the Super Bowl where the Patriots, you know, went 18-1 and and lost the perfect season. I'm a Patriots fan, so that was uh, bittersweet. But they started sending me to playoff games and things like that, and then they ended up getting a partnership with Pro Football Talk a couple years later, and I just sort of came along with the package at some point. And it was initially going to be like half and half PFT and Roto World, um, but it was just hard to do that. So I just managed Roto World um, and started writing PFT. And it was really just, hey, this other opportunity came, came up. And I've kind of found in my career every, every three or four years, it's, it's a good idea to keep you as excited and engaged as possible. If you have a new opportunity, something new to try, just try it. So I didn't put too much thought into it. I just decided to go for that. Yeah, no doubt. And then, so obviously, the next step after PFT was landing with the NFL, right? How did that job come about? Uh, they really came. That was they really came to me. I was I was doing PFT and I loved it. Uh, I did that for three or four years, and that was just um, you know it 
was a level of intensity that I, I thought Roto World was intense and it was, it was all day, every day for a while, especially when I was younger, but PFT and trying to keep up with Floria was, was like a whole nother level. Um, and so I did that for three or four years and essentially NFL, I think was looking to, to possibly get into doing more aggregating, which is basically what, what I did at PFT, uh, under Mike and, and at Roto world. And they came to me and I was under contract at NBC and I just decided to kind of make, make the jump. I, it, I was terrible during the process of it. And I, and I almost regret how, how it went because I was so indecisive. I had a hard time making a decision, but eventually I just decided to go for it because I was afraid of, of regretting not, not trying something different. Also, I'll say this and like, it's something that I thought before I got the job and other people have said it to me since I got the job with NFL, like the funny thing about like NFL.com is like really nobody came to NFL for like news or information really kind of, I feel like until you got there. And so I guess you were kind of a part of building that, uh, building that, that, that team up as well. Well, I, I thought it was a great opportunity. I definitely would take credit for people coming here, but I was confused by a lot of the news coverage at the NFL. Cause they really just, it wasn't a, a focus. They had, they had good columnists that would write a couple times a week. Vic Carucci, is one Pat Kerwin was one that used to be there and you know different people Gil Brandt's been been there forever but from news they just were using wire service I mean it was one of the things you know from Roto World's perspective and then pro football talk you know there's a reason those sites get such massive traffic now it's because they had a head start I mean the NFL and and some other places weren't covering fantasy or weren't covering the the granular news nearly as aggressively as as other parts of the internet in 2006 2008 2009 um you know by the time i left pft it was 2012 i would say even then as you mentioned they they weren't covering it as aggressively as these quote-unquote smaller sites and those sites were big building up bigger written traffic than than these companies with massive budgets and massive resources which is crazy and I i think they you know, they realized they wanted to have original voices and actually have people in house writing their stuff and kind of just figuring out that model. So uh, that's what I tried to do when we came. And and Mark and Dan were already here, you know, doing a great job. And I, I met them here. And then I brought Chris Wesley along and and Kevin Patrick, Kevin Orr, and I mean uh, Connor Orr, and and we just went from there. So I want to talk, kind of talk about wrestling uh, yeah, for a second. Please. Um, I'm, I'm uncomfortable talking about myself, if that's not clear. Yeah, I'm trying to give you a little break here. I was looking for an avenue there, but you, you, we got to it here. Uh, so you and Wes are kind of like, in a way, tied at the hip a little bit. Like, obviously, you were together at Roto World, and, and, you, and then you obviously bring, bring him along to NFL.com. Like, what, what it is – I don't know how to ask this without sounding stupid, but, like, what is it about – wrestling that you together well you know he's one of the smartest best football minds out there and a great writer and a hard worker and those are you know i looking at it from a selfish boss perspective that's that's everything you want and when you know when i when we had a a chance to have an open position here those are hard to find you know he he just seemed like 
you know, such a great candidate to stretch, stretch his legs. And I, and I kind of knew he was excited to maybe not do fantasy, um, you know, to, to get out of fantasy. I think that was ultimately the biggest attraction that, that we had because he loved working at NBC and Rotor World too. Um, but man, he's just like, if, if there's someone I want to listen to talk about football or analyze football, you know, he's the guy. I never even met him in person until we moved out here, which seems crazy. He worked for me for three years at Rotor World and I never actually met him, but we were online talking football and arguing and, and everything all day, every day. And like, I love arguing with Wes. Maybe that's from my, my upbringing, a bunch of Jews arguing and over the dinner table <laughs> and like he, he gets, you know, he, he does never, he never backs down. So he, he was a fun guy to bring along. No, that's certainly true that like the not backing down part, that's, that's definitely accurate. Um, <laughs> but I think that the biggest like success that you guys have probably had has been the podcast. Like just, I mean, I've, like I said, I've listened to you guys, I think pretty much since the beginning, um, like the original years. Yeah, like I yeah, because I can definitely remember like listening to it, and I was even on the on the show as, as one of the tomato cans that Wes kicks around on the trivia show. Someone uh, told me that recently, and I and I didn't know that man. And then I thought back to it, and I was like, you know what? I do re- I do remember you on the podcast, but at the time I didn't I didn't know uh, I didn't know that this guy would be uh, a living legend hosting uh, oh, his own podcast. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, you and me both, pal, so don't worry. Although I, I do not claim to be uh, a living or a legend. Well, certainly living, I guess. Um, unless unless this podcast has come out after, but who knows? I feel like you're living, um, I guess I know. Yeah, I would say so. I would say I'm, I'm living well, too. But I think it's such a – like, you guys just have a great chemistry, and I think that's the thing that, that's been so um, – that's that's lasted so long but like it's got to kind of be mind-blowing like uh, how big the thing has gotten even though you're attached to a big media company i feel like you guys have almost transcended it in a way well that that's nice of you to say i i try not to think about that sort of thing like it does not surprise me not to sound overconfident um that it gained an audience because I just thought the four of the four of us talking and, you know, Dan and Dan deserves a lot of credit for a lot of um, the creative and just the feel behind the show. And Dan and Mark, just the meshing of, I think our four personalities and, and talking football. And, and I felt this at Roto world and, and, and with around, you know, the league and around the NFL writing too, just if, the hardest part is getting in the door. Like if we just put our heads down and we do this, like it, it's going to get better and it's going to be good over the long term. We just got to have people hear it. And that's one of the nice things about, you know, the web and podcast is hopefully it's, you know, somewhat democratic that, that people, I don't know, there, there wasn't really like a lot out there for podcasts of just, guys that you wanted to listen to talk. There's a lot of different types of podcasts, certainly a lot of great fantasy podcasts. Um, but it seemed like there was a hole in the market, especially at the time when, when we started. Oh yeah. I can remember when you guys started, like I was, this was back, uh, like, yeah, like 2013. And that was when I was first like out of school and was like, well, I was starting writing, but like, I was also like losing, starting like losing weight too. So I listened to podcasts in the gym, which I can't do now at this point, but 
I those are the only two pod the only two podcasts I listened to were your guys's and football guys the audible and right. now that's now that seems insane because I have I'm subscribed to I feel like fifty podcasts that I'm never gonna be able to listen to all of them right <laughs> so you're right that like back then that was definitely there was definitely a, a hole in the market for that but right. I'll do things just to give me an excuse to listen to podcasts now and yeah it, it seemed crazy and I'm a huge believer in podcasts and I guess that's part of the reason why like. I hear you, you know, say nice things about the podcast, but I still feel very much uh, like, I don't know, we have a lot more that we want to do. Like it just, it still feels like the pod podcasts in general and certainly the podcasts at the NFL are, you know, they're kind of, they're still kind of the goofy kid in the corner. So yeah. like, you, you know, you've talked, you guys have talked a lot about fantasy gaining a lot of prominence and being such a different industry than it was when I was in it, for instance. I mean, even since 2010 to 2011, it has grown exponentially. And I still feel like podcasts have a, a long, long way to go. At least I hope so. Yeah, I think so. And just the popularity of it, like as people kind of realize, I mean, it's something that Evan says all the time, like, you know, just the difference between like with the, what you learn from a podcast over listening to like, you know, sports talk radio or whatever it's just it's it's incredibly stark and yeah i'm the same way about podcasts like if i'm walking the dog i'm listening to a podcast if i'm making dinner i'm listening to a podcast washing dishes anything like that charting games i'm normally listening to a podcast too um unless i'm listening yeah, to like my that that is see i can't even concentrate enough that's too hard i, I listen to music watching games but i would be too distracted well, because basically, because for reception perception, like I'm just I'm just tallying things. Like if I yeah. if I'm writing notes or something, I don't know. I've now I probably couldn't do that when I first started, but now that I've been doing that for three years, like there's now that's like a, there's a really instinctive like muscle memory to it, I guess, and just know I know what I'm looking for, so I can hear have the noise in the background, I guess. But well, the thing um, that in being on the other side of it, and now you know at the NFL, I've kind of been on both sides where I'm in those sort of bossy type meetings and it's like you know what's going to get people's attention is money and traffic or downloads and that's why fantasy that was one part that was hard to leave in fantasy because I knew fantasy is just such a great business that it just forces all these people that really don't necessarily aren't necessarily inclined to make fantasy a big part of their lives like they're just it's a, they're going to be forced to because of money because fantasy makes money and it gets eyeballs and even even now like it it feels like the i mean our 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 network certainly is coming around show, having a couple fantasy shows back to back but e even now i feel like it's underserved fantasy and and most of the progress that it, it's made is almost begrudgingly from the people that are deciding to do it just cuz you're not wired that way all these people came up for the most you know, part when fantasy was a, a very niche industry and, and, or it didn't even exist and it's much different now. Yeah. I was going to kind of ask you about that. Like, and I, and for one, I would definitely agree that like, it's still a little bit of that redheaded stepchild, um, you know, that, yeah, we'll take it, you know, but now like, well, yeah, we'll take it out for dinners and, you know, parade it around family <laughs> members. Cause it gets, right. cause it gets, which is, which is just, which is just crazy, which is just crazy. I mean, it, it really is. It really is crazy because it's driving. It's driving so much. Not that I need to tell you that. Yeah. No. I mean, it is. It is what it is. But uh, you know, like I said, I I 
have mixed feelings about the whole fantasy thing anyways. Wow. <laughs> but uh, this this is like a this is like you're on the couch or something. You have mixed feelings about this job job that you love. You shouldn't have too mixed feelings. No, 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 no. I just I I would just say like I said, I my passion is 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 less about like fantasy football than it like just straight up fantasy than it is about like evaluating players and like right following storylines and players I care about. Like for this is a good example, you know, part of me is like, like I wrote the article about Tyler Lockett, like, you know, being like my breakout candidate of the year, you know, if you, if you're just a straight up football writer and you say that, and and then Tyler Lockett goes out and has, you know, let's just say like a thousand yards and six touchdowns. That looks like a good prediction, but you know, for a fantasy writer, there's like, it's so much of like a bottom line. And I almost just don't care about that bottom line, you know, because yeah. for this, that, and the other reason. So that's like something I find frustrating. Right. No one's going to really remember it if you're not a fantasy writer. And if, and that is one thing I definitely don't miss. And that is something I think if you asked a lot of people that have been in fantasy for a while, that, that they probably would not miss is just, is just the the intensity of feeling on Sundays when when either a guy you touted or not does well or not yeah. and and even if you're me um, who's like a little dead inside and will not <laughs> and will not mind all the tweets coming at me like whatsoever like that that get really mad um, like e- even then it's still pain it still pains you because you just it just kills you or makes your day because you just want you want your picks to do well. I it's hard to describe. No, yeah, no, and I don't mean to sound like not grateful for fantasy because like I've so far, fingers crossed, like in my career it's been mostly positive. Um, like yeah, I'm pretty much tied to the hip with Allen Robinson for the rest of forever because like I nailed that prediction from like a fantasy sense. Um, so like. You know, again, but again, it had Allen Robinson like gone out and had, you know, 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns last year. I would have still felt like I was right. But the fact that he blew up for such big fantasy numbers is is why people, you know, love me even more now. That's weird to say, but, you know, that that's the point. Um, Hopefully again, hopefully that should be the that should be the title of this podcast. Forget putting my name in. It should be Matt Harmon. People love me even more now. Oh, that's horrible. I'm going to edit this part out. No, I'm not. But um, yeah, I think that it's just, it, yeah, there's just a difference between like fantasy and, 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 you know, real life football or whatever. But I, I don't even know. I don't even know if I would find writing about real football as gratifying as, as I do fantasy. But uh, so sometimes I just say shit without really having any sort of backing. <laughs> no, to there, there's pluses and minuses. It's cool. One of the cool things I think about fantasy now that, you know, was not as, was not the case in fantasy writing probably five years ago is there's just there's just exponentially more intelligent just different writing that if you really drill down to it isn't that fantasy oriented like you're talking about it's more about scouting and process and analytics and strategy and just football i mean that's kind of how i always looked i, I news has kind of always got me going like the the, the hamster wheel as Silva would said uh, of the news, but that's all football. It's not necessarily right. fantasy football. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And a lot of what I do, I feel like is, you know, yeah, just not like, I just never am interested in like the basic, like, 
all right, here's your starts and here's your sits and here's your sleepers and here's your breakouts and, you know, the canned typical fantasy stuff. But I think that's, you know, that's a part of being in the industry is wanting to make, wanting to make it uh, what you think of it. Um, I'm talking too much about myself. This is not my episode yet. Um, and I'm blaming you, Greg, not me. Uh, but so getting so getting back to you a little bit here, uh, kind of winding winding towards the end of, of the episode. So. I guess one thing like that you've done, you've gotten to do a lot of different things, you know, whether it's being yeah. a fantasy writer, a news writer, um, then you were obviously like the boss at ATN and now you're not, but you've also like been on TV a little bit. What has, what has that transition been like, like to, from being like a, a, a typically a writer to, to then being like a little bit more of a television personality? Well, I'm definitely not that yet. Although, you know, that's one of the reasons I, backed off of being, um, you know, the boss of, you know, being uh, around the NFL, like, leader was I wanted to do that more. I wanted to write more. I wanted to be in meetings way less and, like, do, you know, get back sort of to the things of, like, what you what you love about what got you into this in the first place. And TV is definitely part of that because I have a good time doing it and I look at it like, you know, I, I want to be really well prepared. Like I'm going to be confident in the things that I want to say. And I, you know, you don't, I don't know. They're letting me do it a little bit. So I should take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but you, you got to sort of open up the time to do it because it, it is a real job that you, you know, that hopefully I'm going to take a little, you know, more time to try to be good at. Um, but it's been a long transition. I mean, I, they put me on NBC on TV at NBC sports network doing fantasy. So I had some experience doing that. And, you know, we, we were doing a live fantasy, you know, show and tape shows on fan on NBC sports.com going as far back as like 2007, 2008. Uh, we did this show fantasy fix live, which that, that was another, you know, eye opener to that. You could get like a monster audience of people just watching you do start sits like online in 2008 because there really just wasn't that much out there like that. So um, I don't know if that answers your question a lot. I think it took me a while to like, I thought I liked it and I thought I was comfortable at it, but I don't think I really like enjoyed it until recently. And I guess that probably just comes from reps and confidence or whatever. I, I don't know what it was. Like I always felt like I was almost cheating my actual job which was writing um, and doing news and like, and the TV side of thing was just an, a nice little extra thing on top of it, but they're not paying me for that. Right. It's almost like, Hey, you get to do this. Uh, you don't need right. any more extra money for that. <laughs> you don't need any more extra money for that. It's a lot more. There's a lot more of that in the industry that I think people, um, people realize, uh, Hey, you get to do this. Don't, uh, we don't need to pay you more for that. Um, oh, but that's, of course. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of the industry is is sticking around and just doing tons of extra things. I mean, if, if there's a lesson I got at Rotoro, that was it was just start doing the things you wanted to do. Like no one really asked me on some level to, to do some of the boss type of editor stuff or, or necessarily the, you know, the online video stuff. I just, I was trying to think of ways in an industry where there weren't a lot of people doing it to add value to me so that they wouldn't get rid of me. Cause, cause there were times when, you know, fantasy was always doing well, but there were times when 
there was, I've definitely been at places where they have been making like big time cuts. So you just are thinking of like, what can I do uh, that they just would not want to replace me? Uh, and just the more, the more you can do. And now, you know, TV is definitely part of that now, um, you know, the better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that just being multiple uh, in, in, and in, in multi multi skill set is is incredibly important. Um, well, plus, you you watch it and like, don't you? I don't know. There is part of me that is like that that want that is screaming at the television half of the time and wanting to be that voice a little bit, saying the things that people scream at the television because there are just not a lot of <laughs> there are almost no ex player you know non ex player non ex GM. Um, people analyzing TV that aren't like insiders. Like I don't want to be an insider. Oh. I don't want to be Ian Rappaport or anything. I just want to watch right. football and, and kind of tell you what I think and the depth charts and all that sort of stuff. And that doesn't really exist too much. So it's exciting to try to try to make that exist a little bit. No, I mean, hell yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, there's nothing more frustrating than like even just watching like our network or even watching our fantasy show and like the other guys Ooh. on there are like, no, that's so incorrect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing. And trying to just get, get to the point of, you know, that you'll get it, that you get, that you're just around long enough that, that they need someone to fill in here or there. And you just get a couple swings at the plate or whatever. And then hopefully you stick. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it, it is what it is, but um, yeah, no, I totally agree. Like that's when you, when I guess when you have that feeling, that's like when you know, you're on to us. You're on to something. Like when you're listening to a podcast or watching TV, and you're like, "No, I have I I you know whether you do or not. Like I know better than what this person's saying. Like I can I can offer a better or even just a different perspective. For God's sakes, like I think that's the one thing that that media types seem to run from is like the different perspective, other than just like, oh yeah, this is an X player. You know, they played before, like. You know, I come back to it on the show all the time. Like it's football, man. You know, not reading like hieroglyphics off the pyramid wall. Like if you, you, you know, there's a di- there's a perspective that players can speak to that Greg that you and I could never in a thousand years. Of course, uh, touch on. Like I always, you think, know, like, the 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 ex player, especially someone that's worked for a team, which is sometimes happened, that actually does all the homework in the world possible. Like you can't re- you can't beat that guy. Yeah. But you're not you're not trying to beat that guy, and there aren't many of those guys you're trying to like you said have a have a different uh perspective than than all the other people who who you've been watching at home and be like they don't they don't really follow the sport as as much um and it's just having some confidence and backing up your your arguments obviously you know that you're going to be wrong uh some of the times but it doesn't mean you can't have a good argument or you don't believe in what you say yeah, having confidence in what you say and just somehow earning that confidence is uh, is important. I don't know when I don't know when that comes, but it but it it does come. Uh, so, Greg, like, kind of just the last last couple of questions here. Um, if you had just like one overarching theme, you know, obviously, like you, I I definitely like it, you know. And then it's not weird to say because we like know each other, but you know, I've looked up to you in the industry for like a long time, and I respect a lot of what you've been able to do. Like, so if you had one kind of overarching piece of advice, like to give to a like an aspiring writer, what what would like the the one thing you could you would say is one thing? 
Um, gosh, it's it's so cliche to keep at it and have patience. But I think some of the best people that I've seen that it didn't work out for, that was sometimes their bugaboo or the thing that they came across that didn't work. I mean, think about some of the guys that you've had on on your podcast, like how long it took them to get to, to where they are. Uh, and I think sometimes people, they get frustrated with, with what they see as unfair hiring or not getting the opportunities or not getting paid or not, you know, enough or this or that, like, and, and they should, like, it is all unfair. Like, but it, it, I think the sooner you realize that and just sort of accept that and find what you love about the job and kind of keep, hold on to that love, uh, and, and show it to, um, you know, show it to the readers and the listeners and everything, like have it come across in your work, then, then you'll, you'll be better. You'll do well in the long run. But sometimes it's, it's hard to tell people when they're at certain career crossroads or life crossroads to just, to just keep going, like stick to it. Cause, cause you love it. Cause, cause sometimes it's, it's just a little bit of a blind faith in, in yourself and some sort of process that eventually it'll work out. Cause if you don't, if you have your foot in the door that, you know, that's the hardest part is getting, getting your foot in the door. Um, and, it, and if you don't have your foot in the door, it's just, it's just working at what you do instead of being so worried about, about the opportunity, if that makes sense. That was winding. I don't know if that was one piece of advice. Well, it counts. If you said it all without me interrupting, that counts as a, that counts as one piece of advice. Um, no, but it's so true. Like, and those crossroads that, that you get at, that like leads you to where you should be. So if this is not the thing for you and you find yourself in those crossroads and you decide it's not like, that's cool too. You know? Right. And I think, I think there's been a few episodes on this podcast with people that didn't, you know, quote unquote, didn't make it. And, but they're in perfectly good places as a result. Right. You'll, that's, I think on some level you'll know, like if you feel like you almost don't have a choice, then, then you're probably like, if you don't have a choice and that you just love it and you're just going to have to make it work or, or else, then that's, that's kind of what you want. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I think, I think that's a really good point. So Greg, like what's something you see in the industry, whether it's like on Twitter or maybe not, maybe from more of a grand view perspective uh, that you see that you don't really like? Hmm. I should be more prepared. I've listened to these enough. Yeah, now um, we're getting into the really staged questions. So you should. You should. <laughs> well, you know, what? I'm going to go with with more of a fantasy thing. Now, now I might be wrong on this. There, there's probably a, a happy medium between what my policy used to be when I worked in fantasy and what what makes sense now. I used to have a policy, and I would encourage our writers uh, to do this too. I used to have a policy, don't read other fantasy writing, which, mm. which I don't think necessarily would make sense now because I think it's, a, it's just a more – there's so much more going on. Um, but especially as someone that did the projections and did the rankings and was really into that, like I loved that stuff. That was, that was some of my favorite, favorite part of the job is nerding out on doing the projections for the magazine and, and spending a month on that, all that sort of stuff. Like, 
I just got it in my head that I didn't want to know what anyone else was doing because that was the only way that you could possibly have like your own original thoughts of who is going to be good this year and who is going to be bad because I think especially back then it felt like there was like an echo chamber of where everyone just started like some sort of consensus of what fantasy football is going to be for the year forms at some point. And, uh, and I think that's a little dangerous or not dangerous, but I think, I think it'd be advantageous to be outside of that consensus. I think you do a good job, job with it. Just, just, I, I bought, I bought your, uh, your rankings. And it's not like I went through it one by one and compared to average draft position, but I think if, you go, you got to trust in your own sort of evaluation. And if you're a writer um, or a website, like I think it's a big advantage to almost ignore what everyone else is saying and just have your own, your own takes, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's hard because the fantasies become so much of like a communal thing and like, right. it's hard to like completely tune everybody out, but Right. I, would say- I think it'd be impossible in the Twitter age. Like I, I started fading out from doing fantasy every day, basically soon after Twitter started. And not to mention there's people like you and, and a million and not a million, but a lot of other writers, I think writing about fantasy football uh, really intelligently in in a bigger way than there was um, back when I was doing it. I always just figured the writers I need to read are the, the straight NFL writers. That'll give me all the information I need to make my own sort of decisions. Yeah. But I think the heart of your point is, is, is good. You know, like the don't be affected by groupthink and don't, right. don't like follow things blindly. Like you guys were talking about that on one of your ATN episodes recently, like Wesling said, who I feel definitely takes, uh, takes no, 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 no harm in taking shots at fantasy sometimes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is it which like is that, it was like that when he was in fantasy too though so you know it was it was no different i imagine that there's not a lot you know that wrestling is is wrestling and that's a you know that's a good thing he's a beautiful human being uh but i, I think that you know he was saying obviously like with te- like with tevin coleman taking touches from devonta freeman like he's like you know fantasy is a very group think thing and now everybody's freaking out about this one thing and you know that's a good point about being like okay just because everybody else is freaking out about this doesn't mean i then have to freak out about it and staying true to your process and and everything like that i think is is very important advice like just if what like i've talked about this recently like it bothers me that like you know early like an mfl tens or whatever like really just the plugged in drafters like every time i'd put a reception perception article the adp would shift because of whatever i said and that's like something i'm like please don't do that like don't just follow me blindly just because i said something right Um, it's wild now to think because i've heard other rotor world guys talk about that 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 some of these rotor world posts that could or could not exist very easily if if the writer chose not to write it or didn't find it that day like really impacts value for a couple months over the off season, just because he happened to pick up yeah. one, you know, half line about, I, I don't know, you know, Tajay Sharp or something like that. That's not even a good example because he's actually seemingly locked in, but, but something, something like Devonte Adams looks good or looks bad this off season because you'll get, you know, 10 different people that are actually there that disagree on that thing. I don't trust their opinion anyways. Right, sure. Yeah, those Green Bay writer, those Green Bay team writers, seems to not know. They don't. They're not on message. Oh, um, they're oh like, how dare you? Actually, you know, if, for what it's worth, Green Bay. That's 
if nothing else, they probably have they probably have the best local coverage. The problem is it's almost so good that you have eight pretty smart people writing about it, and you have you know they all have. Oh no, no, yeah, that that's what I mean. Like that's I'm I'm not saying that like as a show. I kind of am like jokingly making like a political party joke there. Like when you know I say like you need to be on message. This candidate needs to be on message. You know or whatever. Like right. I, I'm kidding. And like yeah, it's it's eight like diff- very smart people that have like different opinions. And I'm I'm just being facetious when I'm like when I say they're not on message. So it's not a shot at me. I'm not taking a shot at. I get it. You you basically just crapped on uh, all Green Bay reporters and the Packers organization. Well, I do. I do take plenty of unsolicited sh- pot shots at the Packers now that I live with Gelhar. So maybe that was just like a the, an instinct there. Um, my uh, yeah, you're right. My that one piece of advice that only has so or one annoyance only has so much because you're right about the community part. That's where like the dead inside uh, thing might come back around. Because I, I guess I never I never felt like a huge part of some fantasy community i always remember like you know there's the the conventions or whatever and i always thought isn't that why we're in the fantasy you know community like business to not have to go to work conventions or things <laughs> for people <laughs> but i mean yeah i don't know yeah well there you know it is what it is but so greg final question uh to you and and if you've listened to you if you listen to the podcast like i know you have you know that this is the last part that comes mm-hmm. and everybody seems to hate it but uh, i still do it anyways because after all it is my show um, so I always give the guests one last shot at the floor before I yank it out from under you. So Greg, before we get out of here, the floor is yours. Oh man. I think I've hung, I've droned on about anything that could have possibly taken up this spot. Can I just wish you a happy birthday? Does that count? Sure. Sure. Even though again, this will come out like two days or three days after my birthday, but you know, whatever. Well, I'll give you a happy birthday. I mean, I, I do think, what, what do I got? I, I think sometimes here I do I do it maybe it's an extension of of what we were talking about but I do think sometimes people trying to get into the industry or or that are in it are often worried about like what what is going to be a good move for their career and the, a lot of the people that end up having the best careers are not necessarily thinking that way they're just kind of following what they think is good like what they think is good content instead of trying to think what other people would think is good content and strategize. You know what I mean? That comes across when you're just doing what you genuinely think is the best idea. If that makes any sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And that's a really good, uh, that's a really good point that I can relate to. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. Just don't try to do what you think people want you to do. Just, just, just do your thing and just do it. And if it's, if it's meant to be, it'll, it'll be. And that's like a really stupid corny way of saying things, but it's, it's very true. I feel like the most successful people in the writing community in general are just, they just stick true to what the, what the voice inside themselves is, is telling them. Like as someone that hired a lot in the fantasy industry, and then I guess, you know, less so, but somewhat outside of it, like so many people are that we're trying to get jobs. We're so concerned about getting the job and brand and, I don't know if branding is the right word, but sort of marketing themselves and getting their stuff out there and this or that instead of just being focused on their work. Cause you almost always are not as good as you think you are. Like, and, and yeah, yeah. the people that were more focused on just that knew that they weren't good. It took me four or five years to realize how little I knew about football. Like that was sort of the, that was one of the first big aha moments. Like, wow, man, like the more I, the more I re- learned football, the, 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 
more I realize I don't know anything. Uh, like the people that are just working on trying to get better, they're, they're the ones that ended up getting those jobs in the end, not the ones that were, that were always just pushing to get in front of decision makers probably too, too early. Yep, that makes a lot of sense, and I think that's a good uh, that's a good point to close on. Well, Greg, I really thank you for coming on tonight. This is uh, this has been good. I've wanted to have you on for a long time since I knew you listened to the podcast. Um, uh, so it's been it's been a good chat. Thanks again for coming on, and for everybody that's been listening, uh, thanks again for tuning in to the second to last episode of season one. It's a bittersweet sort of uh, ending to the podcast oh. for me here. Yeah, um, now that the NF, I can already feel like the attention uh both for myself and the audience like being like okay yeah well football's back so I, <laughs> you know but yeah I, but it's been great and this has been re- like uh, this this podcast seriously has been a hell of a lot of fun but uh, we'll talk more about that on the next episode so for greg uh for everyone out there uh thank you so much for listening and i hope you learned something Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.